Psalm 34. If you picked up one of the um, Bibles from the entry, the bit of introduction they've got is it's a psalm of David when he pretended to be insane before Abimelech, who drove him away and he left. I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. My soul will boast in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. This poor man called and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and he delivers them. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him lack nothing. The young lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Come, my children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Whoever of you loves life and desires to see many good days, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking lies. Turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil, to cut off the memory of them from the earth. The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. A righteous man may have many troubles, but the, the Lord delivers him from them all. He protects all his bones. Not one of them will be broken. Evil will slay the wicked. The foes of the righteous will be condemned. The Lord redeems his servants. No one will be condemned who takes refuge in him. The New Testament reading comes from 1 Peter chapter 3 starting at uh, verse 8. You can find that on page 1272 of the uh, Church Bibles. 1 Peter 3, 8. Finally, all of you live in harmony with one another. Be sympathetic, love as brothers, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult but with blessing, because to this you are called, so that you may inherit a blessing. For whoever would love life and see good days must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from deceitful speech. He must turn from evil and do good. He must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Whoever would love life and see good days. Anyone here want to love life and see good days? Sounds like an advertisement for your retirement package, doesn't it? It sounds a bit like, rather, the lifestyle programs on TV, I reckon. Uh, better Homes and Gardens or Backyard Blitz, or if you like things demolished first, The Block. 
Or probably the favourite out this way would be escape to the country or you might feel like escaping to the city. I don't know. We like these shows, don't we? They're entertaining and they live our dreams for us. We can imagine ourselves doing them and we think how good life would be and yet we don't have to get off the sofa. Everyone wants to love life and these TV shows try and show us how. I mean, I wonder if Jesus made a TV show that was a lifestyle TV show about how to love life. I wonder what he'd call it. I wonder what it would be about. How does Jesus reckon is the way to love life? The answer is in our passage tonight. And if you want to love life, the answer is here too. Finally, all of you, verse 8, Live in harmony with one another, be sympathetic, love as brothers, be compassionate and humble. Peter's been teaching them how to live as strangers in the world, people who belong to God and not in this world, that they're to set their hope on the grace to be given them and so be holy. And they're to live such good lives among the pagans that the pagans, the non-Christians, will see them and want to be them. And for the last few weeks we've seen that that involves submitting, submitting in society, in the workplace and in marriage. But way back in chapter 1, he told them that they were to be holy by loving one another. For they'd all been born into an imperishable family. They were brothers and sisters in Jesus. And so he comes back to this theme here and he says, pretty much along the lines of what Jesus said, love one another, by your love people will know that you are my disciples. So finally, all of you, live in harmony with one another, be sympathetic, love as brothers. Now I don't know whether you've got a brother and whether you love him. Uh, Love as brothers is a little bit ambiguous. I see my brother about three or four times a year. I don't think that's what it means. Love the brothers, love the brothers and sisters, love those who are in Christ with you. This is about our love for one another that will demonstrate to the world how good God is. Well, what does this love look like? Well, in this verse, it seems to me that it's sort of along the lines of what Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your mind and heart. You see there the first one? Live in harmony with one another. This has nothing to do with music. This is how you think. Be like-minded. Have the same mind. That's what the words say. Know the things that I've been telling you about, that you've got a living hope, that you have an inheritance that's secure, that you're to set your hope fully on the grace to be given you, that you want to be holy. Think these things together, that you've been called to follow in the footsteps of Jesus. And so it reminds us, I think, that we're to have the same mind, like Paul says in Philippians 2, be like-minded, all of you have the same mind as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing. What is this mind that we are all to have? be like-minded, I think it's there in the the last word of the verse. There are five things here, first and last, be like-minded, 
be humble like Jesus. This is like the gentle and quiet spirit that wives are to have, we saw last week, except that we're all to have this, not to demand our own way, our own rights, or to be proud, be okay with our gifts not being recognised by other people, be okay with not getting to use our gifts, be okay with serving without being noticed. Have the same mind, and that mind is humility. So I want to ask, do you have that mind? Is that how you think? Is that your attitude? Is that our attitude, if we're to all have this same mind? Are you more humble than you were this time last year? Love your brothers and sisters with your mind. Be humble. But I want you to notice too in this verse that it's very clear that you love not just with your mind and not just in your actions. Be like-minded, be sympathetic, love the brothers and sisters, be compassionate and humble. Do you see the second and fourth one? Be sympathetic, be compassionate. These are emotions. In the ancient world, they figured that the emotions came about in your bowels. If you were moved by something, you were moved in your bowels, in your guts. We've sort of given up on that idea. We think the heart is much more romantic. So it's much better to say, I love you with all my heart, sounds a whole lot better than I love you with all my guts. It just wouldn't work on a Valentine's Day card, would it? But it means the same thing. These two words here are to do with your bowels. These two words here in our way of thinking are to do with your heart. Be sympathetic. Enter into the feelings of others. When you see their sufferings, care. Romans 12, rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn. Be sympathetic and be compassionate. Have a tender heart that is easily moved by the plight of others. Do you see here that our love for one another as brothers and sisters needs to be with our minds but also with our hearts and we need to know one another. You're not going to be moved emotionally by someone else if you don't actually know what's going on for them. We have to be prepared to share with one another how we are really going and what we're struggling with. That's why our growth groups can be such a great sphere to be in. We can actually share where we are at and we need to give ourselves in that way so that people can emotionally engage with us and be sympathetic and compassionate. Do you see here too that our love for one another is not just with your mind and not just with your actions. You can love, can't you, with a humble attitude and by doing things. Someone's struggling with something, I know what to do. Send a card, make a meal and make a phone call. Those three things are going to be helpful. I can make a list and tick them off. And I'm quite good at that because I'm task focused. And if I just do that, then I don't need to get worked up about it. And that's easier, isn't it? I wonder if you're like that as well. And we need our love to be with our mind and our actions, but also with our hearts. Being 
sympathetic and compassionate. Maybe you've got compassion fatigue and we need to ask God to change our hearts. Be like-minded, be sympathetic, love the brothers and sisters, be compassionate and humble. But he's got a particular situation in mind. Do all these things, not repaying evil with evil or insult with insult, but with blessing. There are all sorts of evil in the world, aren't there? I went to the Holocaust Museum in Jerusalem, the museum recording a memorial for the six million people who were slaughtered during the Second World War. I'm not sure I've ever been quite so moved, certainly by a museum. What extraordinary evil. There is evil going on in the world now in nations like Syria. There is evil going on in our own society as we hear of rapes and murders and robbery. We experience evil in our own lives. Someone cuts in on you as you're driving along. Someone jumps the queue at the checkout. Someone mocks you and points out your acne. Someone makes fun of you at the family table. Someone, the list goes on and on, doesn't it? There are all sorts of evil, some of them major, some of them minor. And on top of that, Christians get a bonus evil. We're persecuted because we're strangers in the world, not fitting in the world. And people abuse us. And in some nations, they discriminate and imprison and kill. Evil has many forms and it always hurts. And you almost always want to repay. And we should want evil to be repaid. Evil should be repaid. You see that in verse 12. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. And he puts in place those in governments to punish those who do evil. We saw that a couple of weeks ago. My brother is a policeman. I did see him a couple of weeks ago. And he was quite worked up because he was hopefully about to arrest someone. He was on a murder case. And he just needed a little bit more information because the body had not been found. And you need an awful lot of evidence to charge someone when there's no body. Last night I'm watching TV. For the first time ever, there is my brother on the TV news escorting this man to be charged with murder. And when he shared with me that he was excited, he didn't say excited, but he was excited at the prospect of charging this man, I did not say, don't you realise you're not supposed to repay evil with evil? No. I encouraged him and thanked him for his work, for we are to repay evil with evil justice but not with evil and not by us and so when people do commit evil against us we need to not repay we need to not bounce back with a quick witty remark we need to be careful not to throw a slander back at them we need to be careful in the way that we drive when someone cuts in on us we're to not repay evil with evil. But Peter doesn't say that, does he? 
Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult, but with blessing. We are to repay evil, do you see? But not with evil. And not just not evil, but blessing. What might that look like? Well, it might look something like this. Someone cuts on in on you in the traffic and you let them do so and pray that they'll have a safe journey on their way to go. Pray for your enemies. When someone puts you down at school, it's not just that you don't bite back at them or snigger to your friends. You say kind words to them. At work, when your boss is rude and demanding, it's not just that you don't repay him. You bless him or her with respect and hard work. Repay evil with blessing. Parents, if your child screams at you, I hate you, how do you respond? Well, you might just walk away and not repay evil with evil. That might be a wise situation, I think. But your aim is to be understanding, compassionate and sympathetic and at some point to express I hear you, but I still love you. Repay evil with blessing. In a friendship or a marriage, we're told that you've got to fight fair. Fights are necessary, you've got to work things out, and they're normal. So make sure you don't manipulate, intimidate, or mock one another when you fight. Fight fair. But he's saying more than that, isn't he? Repay evil with blessing. So fight generously. Have a humble mind, a sympathetic heart that wants to serve the other person, even when they're obviously wrong because they're fighting with you. You're going to work hard to listen. You're going to support them as you work through this. And you'll seek to reconcile if that's possible. I wonder, is there someone that you have been repaying evil with evil? When you think about it, you felt justified, but actually it's wrong. Is there someone instead you need to start repaying evil with blessing? Can you see how you might do that? Maybe you need to get some ideas and some wisdom from other people. Can you see a relationship where you're in a pattern? A pattern of evil from them and evil from you and it just goes back and forward, and you'd like to break the pattern with blessing. Sometimes, of course, relationships are more complicated and serious, aren't they? There can be situations where there's abuse, where there's a relationship and there's no, you seek to bless, but there's no change. What do you do then? Should you then, once blessing hasn't fixed the situation, start repaying evil with evil? No, but how do you repay evil with blessing when blessing doesn't seem to be working to fix the relationship? Well, to repay with blessing doesn't simply mean to let them do whatever they want, to let them abuse you, that there are no consequences. You bless them by setting boundaries, saying this is not okay, if that's what you need to say. How do you bless someone if what they're doing is wrong? You Help them to stop. And if it is a situation where someone needs to be punished, then the rulers should do that. 
and you should let them do that. This is a radical sort of love, isn't it? It's not just that it's the opposite of what the world does, repay evil with evil. It's the opposite of our natural inclinations. Everything inside us wants to do the opposite. Why would you do this? What possible reason would you have for repaying evil with blessing? Why would you think this is the best way to live? Well, verse 9's got two reasons. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult, but with blessing, because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. Christians are called. But Christians are not called to be teachers or nurses or doctors. They are called to be Christian, called out of darkness into his wonderful light, called to be like Jesus. Jesus said, love your enemies, and that's what he did. You see, back there in chapter 2, verse 21, to this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He repaid evil with blessing. He was insulted, but he did not insult back. That's what Jesus did. And so you're called to do the same. I'm called to do the same. WWJD, what would Jesus do, fits here, doesn't it? Why would you repay evil with blessing? Because that's what Jesus would do. But is it worth it? Is it really the best way to live? Will you love life if you do this? Yes, that is what the Bible says. To this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. For whoever would love life and see good days must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from deceitful speech. It just makes sense, really, don't you think? If you turn from evil and if you seek peace, if you try to love others, even those who do you evil, you will most likely end up with better relationships. That will work better. And you'll love life because in the end it doesn't matter how much better your house and garden is. It doesn't matter how much blitzing your backyard has had or how much block has been demolished. None of that matters for loving life, does it? What matters in life? It's relationships. And if you end up with better relationships, you will have a better life. You will love life more. This is true, generally. But repaying evil with blessings is still hard and it's very clear in this letter of 1 Peter that Christians will suffer, isn't it? We have all kinds of trials plus we get persecution. How will you love life if you're going to suffer? Well, when David wrote Psalm 34, and Carol read this bit for us tonight, which was really helpful, David knew about sufferings. King Saul was trying to kill him. So he fled to another king's court, and so that that king didn't kill him, he had to pretend to be insane. And he prayed to God that God would deliver him, and God did. And so he wrote Psalm 34 to tell people that if you trust in God, do what is right and pray to God, he will deliver you. 
David knows, Peter knows, that you will suffer as a Christian, even when you do good. So why will you love life? Because the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their prayer. You'll know that you're not a stranger to God, that you have a certain inheritance that gives you a joy and you know that God hears your prayers. Then you will love life and look forward to seeing good days. It's like this. Imagine, Jane is mocked for being a Christian at home and at school. When she comes to school, a church even, her brothers and sisters gossip about her because she's different to the rest of them. And so she struggles not to become cold to everyone and not to repay evil with evil at home and at school and at church because she knows that she's called to be like Jesus. And so she tries not to retaliate. And she seeks to love her family and her church and to try and repay with blessing. It's a struggle. But she has a joy in trying to please God. Sometimes it even makes those relationships better. She can see that. But most of all, she knows that she's loved by God that he listens to her prayers and she will inherit a blessing that gives her a deep joy no matter what. And so she loves life now and knows she will see good days. Can you see yourself being like her? Can you see yourself in your situation loving life and seeing good days because you want to be like Jesus and repay evil with blessing. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we want to live your way because your way is the best way and then we will love life. Father, help us to be convinced that it is the best way. And Father, help us particularly when people do us evil And we long to see justice and to repay evil with evil ourselves. Help us to stop ourselves. Your spirit, we ask, would stop us. And even more than that, Father, help us to want to bless those who do evil to us. That's different for each of us, but help us to know when and where that is. And Father, help us to see that if we live your way, You will grant us a joy so that we love life and we look forward to seeing good days. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.